My name is Debbie Vallejo, and this is the Noisy Narrative Podcast, where we cut through the noise of our stories and get to the heart of what really matters. And I am here today along with Christy Williams, Carrie Ordas, and we're here today with Carrie because she's going to share her story with us of raising a child with special needs. Carrie's got three kids. Well, first, Carrie and I know each other from Friday morning Bible study, and Carrie's involved in mops of this church. Um, Carrie's got a great, fun personality, and I am so excited for all of y'all to get to see it. Um, but she's got three it. little people. And here, sorry, here. <laughs> maybe here, right. maybe here. Visualize. Uh-huh. Um, she's got three little people. She's got Sophia, who's seven, Julian, that's five, and Allie, that's two. I got it right. Yay. Correct. Yeah, good job. See, I know Carrie as a mom that comes to Bible study. I don't know her little people that well. But um, she has shared with us before at Bible study and you've been encouragement to other ladies at Bible study, too, that have come up afterwards and been like, you have a kid with special needs? Like, been there and done that or in the process or um, it's been fun to watch you encourage those ladies. So, um, uh, Sophia is your oldest and your first. She was born. She shared the story with me the other day. I thought it was intriguing, actually. Um, so I'm going to let you take it from there. So my husband and I had been married for probably two, three years at this point, and we had waited to have kids, um, just one of those crazy couples that wanted to make sure we actually had money to raise mm-hmm. a child. And mm-hmm. clearly God <laughs> knew what he was doing um, <laughs> because having a special needs child is not cheap. So Sophia was born. Actually, her birthday's tomorrow. Um, oh, so her birthday, yeah, So her, her birthday's April 8th, and she came a few weeks early. I had just developed um, something called coleostasis where your liver doesn't break down bile naturally. And it doesn't affect the child unless it gets super serious. And I was far enough along that they delivered her via C-section. Everything was totally fine. She was about right around one year old. We decided we were going to have another child. So we were quite lucky that Julian the second, um, came pretty quickly. Uh, Sophia was about 15 months old And we were actually in New York City, which is where my husband's from. And she's sitting in front of me and she was eating a banana and she, up until this point, developed completely normal. Um, Some of the milestones were on the latter end of the normal, but still everything was in normal range of walking, crawling, you know, sitting up, all that stuff. And she's standing in front of me and she's eating a banana and I'm laying on the couch being lazy four or five months pregnant with my son inside. And she just goes completely white. She just kind of froze in the moment. And her lips went really, really blue. And her pupils dilated. You know, she looked really glassy. And she just kind of froze. Her cheeks got real splotchy. And she just kind of was just frozen in this moment. And I could see that she had food in her mouth. So just thinking, okay, you're you're choking on food. So I, you know, stick my fingers in her mouth, grab the banana out. Of course, I also was thinking, what child, you know, chokes on a banana, (laughs) but okay, you know, that's whatever, the banana's out. And it's still kind of, you could still see she was a little kind of glazed over. Um, And I was alone in the house. My husband was downstairs in the shower. So eventually I'm, you know, screaming to him to come upstairs. And she was just kind of knocked out of it after that point. Um, I, I have actually pictures of us sitting and she's like, you know, kind of straddling my my stomach and just snuggling me. It didn't really make sense because she had never been sick up to that point. She was not a child that ever had colic or an ear infection. 
any, you know, she just never had anything wrong with her. She got a super high fever immediately after that. It was like 104. I mean, it just, it spiked really, really high. And we only had maybe a day or two left in New York. And I kind of made the joke to Christy, like, I was not about to bring her to a (laughs) hospital or a doctor in New York. That just was not going to bring out a happy side of me, nor my husband. My husband loves New York, but he definitely would not have been happy going to a hospital in New York and kind of dealing with, you know, just our lack of patience, which is what we have. So she pretty much that those what are called staring spells continued to happen while we were in New York and her fever never really broke even with medicine, but she just kind of kept sleeping them off. So we're okay. We made it home to Texas and, you know, I had told her pediatrician, I had tried to describe what it was. I don't know why it took me a really long time before I ever actually recorded what she, what was happening in front of me. It just never jumped into my mind. My thought wasn't, Hey, let me grab my phone and, you know, record what I'm looking. I'm like, Hey, what's going on with my child? So, you know, we come back to Texas. I explain it to our pediatrician and he kind of mentions, you know, children have, you know, they can kind of have staring spells. They can, um, some children at that age like to hold their breath. And that's, you know, he's like, that's kind of what it sounds like you're describing. Okay, cool. And we just kind of played it off. Even with the fever. Even with the fever, because the fever had broke and he just, okay, you know, that's, she doesn't have a fever now. Mm -hmm. Everything's okay. Yeah. I mean, just kind of snapped out of it. Okay, cool. You know, we'll keep us posted. Is she audible? No. Okay. Um, And even at that point, she hadn't started speaking And that was the only thing they, the pediatrician initially was like, you know, she's not really speaking a whole lot right now, but because your husband speaks Spanish to her and she's your first child, generally first children, you know, when they don't hear other children speak, they're later to speak Mm -hmm. and with the dual language. So around 18 months old, so this has been three months of her having these spells, Mm -hmm. if you will, we're giving her a bath and I mean, she was just having them back to back to back. And they last somewhere between, at that time, it was like 25 to 30 seconds of pretty much just watching your child frozen. It's a long time. It is a long time to watch. And you don't mm-hmm. think about how long 30 seconds is mm-hmm. until you're watching something like that. So we get her out of the bath and we bring her to Children's Legacy. And I'm trying to explain to the nurse, because we were waiting there a long time, which is kind of humorous since I was given New York such a hard time about how long <laughs> we were waiting. And now we're waiting a long time in, in Texas. And she has probably two or three, because my mom was with me as well. Because at this point in time, I'm like seven or eight months pregnant. They finally get her back. And, you know, after she has these these spells, I mean, they, they pretty much knock her out. They She wants to go to sleep. She wants to, you know, just relax. She's real lethargic. And she has a really, really bad one where, I mean, she was laying in my arms kind of asleep sitting up and then she just kind of collapsed over and was laying completely horizontal and I mean she just went so white and so blue and I mean I just yelled to Julian I'm like Jules you need to go get the nurse like this is this is not okay and I mean I just I can still remember looking down at her and I just and I told Mm -hmm. myself okay you need to prepare yourself because this is probably the moment mm-hmm. where they tell you, like, your child's not going to make it mm-hmm. because of how she – I've never seen somebody go so – I mean, it was beyond a white of, like, fainting. It was – and then the blueness in her lips was – is just very, very scary. The doctor eventually takes her from me and he lays her on the table and they're hooking her up to the, you know, the EKGs and eventually the EEGs and all that. And 
I remember the doctor just turning around, looking at me and saying, Carrie, how long has your child been having seizures for? And I said, I, I don't understand what you just said. Like, you're going to need to repeat that. Cause at this point I was still pretty emotional after watching her have that one in my, in my arms. And he's like, yeah, she's having seizures. How long has she been having them? And of course, then I'm like, well, I don't really want to tell you this answer because I don't, I would rather, yeah, she started yesterday. There was, this is the first one I've ever seen. Like, no, I haven't, it hasn't been three months of her having them and me not doing anything about it. So the legacy location or the plano location doesn't have a neurologist. So she had to be transported that night um, in the ambulance to the one in downtown Dallas. And we had to stay there overnight until the next morning, because when we went the day before, you know, it was like five or six in the, in the evening. So we see the neurologist, they do an, an EEG, which is the brain mapping. They put all the little, they probably put 20 to 30 electrons all over her head and scalp. And they, and they literally wrapped her in a cocoon, um, so she couldn't touch them. I was wondering how that worked. With so, yeah, they, I mean, it's almost like a little child straitjacket, if you will. And, you know, I just, they let me lay on the bed with her, you know, so me, her, and her brother are all snuggled up on, mm-hmm. on this bed. And, and they do the EEG, and they, you know, determine that they're called spike and slow-wave seizures, and they're just a form of absence seizures. So, of course, when you think seizures, you think grand mal, somebody sure. collapsing, mm-hmm. yep. you know, possibly you know, spitting or drooling, something like that, you know, some kind of big reaction. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And that's not what hers are. Hers is literally just, I mean, imagine walking in on somebody watching the television and you start having a conversation with them and they're not paying attention. You're like, wow, you're so rude. You're not listening to me, but they're just staring. They're just hand in front of them to break it. Yeah. They're just literally just engrossed in whatever they're doing. And that's exactly what happened to her. And come to find out, miracle of miracles, the reason why her lips turned so blue, which of course terrified me, um, is because naturally when the seizures would happen, your brain actually takes oxygen from your lips and your mouth to keep the brain functioning during the seizures, which is why they turned so blue. Um, So it's just kind of one of those miraculous things that your body does Mm -hmm. that, you know, we wouldn't think of. Um, So, you know, they started putting her on. Uh, medicine, the first medicine they gave her was just, it was horrible. It just, it, I really think it took like years off her life in terms of development. It was very heavy. She was still having them before she ever started medicine. She probably had about six or seven in a day. Um, so when they started on Keppra was the medicine, you know, it, it took a while. She was also growing really fast. So she kept outgrowing the dosage. Um, it's so hard with kids. And it's so hard because she's, a, I mean, I call her my gentle giant. She is a very tall, big child. Um, she goes through growth spurts where she's almost like really heavy to tall and you would have to like tie clothes onto her to back and forth. Like that's kind of where her, her body is. So luckily she kept outgrowing that medicine um, and eventually they got rid of it. And we actually got rid of that neurologist because I wasn't a big fan of her anyway. And we found a really great one in Plano that we still go see. And I'm, I'm a very big fan of um, Dr. McBool at Texas Child Neurology. And, you know, he got her on what they always call a cocktail. They said a lot of times children or, you know, seizure epilepsy patients, they need more than one. You got to find the right kind of combination. So at this point in time, you know, when Sophia was, you know, about, two years old, she was taking maybe two or three medicines. Um, 
around the age of two, they diagnosed her with autism. And that's that this one woman um, was a huge help for us because now I was terrified when they were evaluating her because I don't know why no mother wants to hear that their child is autistic. However, to insurance, telling the insurance company that a child is on the spectrum is like a golden ticket for coverage. So she goes, your child doesn't have autism, but I'm going to your life's going to be made a lot easier Mm. with this diagnosis but I really want you to get genetic testing done. She goes, I know you said you already have an appointment. Like, stick with it. Don't let them stop until they figure out what's going on because I I think you're really going to find something with genetic testing. And even though I was just like, whatever, I don't want to listen to this woman. Like, you, no, it's fine. She just has epilepsy. That's all it is. You know, you go through those different stages. And How old is she at this point? She She was two and she was diagnosed with, Autism. And then have you had Julian yet? I've had Julian. Okay. So he, so she's two. He's what? He's four months? Maybe two months old. So two I'm, I'm old. pretty sure I was nursing him during the okay. autism evaluation. And, and she's and still functioning, like walking, but she's not still, talking. But she, she's yes. still doing everything else Correct. except talking. Correct. She does everything. She fits. Can she sit at the table? Is she? She was. She loved to eat. She was always a good eater. So other than the seizures, and then that medicine kind of slowing down some kind of brain function in terms of like response. Mm -hmm. Those are really the only things that we noticed. She still, you know, you could, you know, she still played, interacted, loved to, you know, do things, snuggle, blah, blah. She just nonverbal. Okay. So after the genetic testing or after the um, autism evaluation, we went to Cook's in Fort Worth and they did genetic testing. And that was a really, really long process because I'm definitely that mother that annoys doctor's offices about (laughs) test results and when is this happening? And I'm just, you know, I don't care. I'm the only person that's Mm going to fight for my kids. So if I offend you, like that's really the least of my concern. Mm -hmm. So I kept pushing them to do a bigger genetic testing. They kept doing, okay, we're just going to test for one thing at a time. They test for, you know, so they would do blood work on her and you would wait eight, 12 weeks for a result. And then here's the results. It took, so they probably started in September of the year she'll turn, she turned three. And it wasn't until February of the next year that they finally gave us a result. I kept pushing for them to do the giant metabolic testing where they test my bloodline, Julian's bloodline, and then Sophia's. And somebody literally sits there and compares every line of DNA and just goes across. Now it's a little more condensed because they knew she had seizure. So they are looking for gene abnormalities that could result in that. This is amazing how she talks. Like she's, you've been in so long. I'm like, she's a doctor. Look at all the yes. medical world. She's oh my gosh. That in Grey's Anatomy has really helped me throughout <laughs> all of this. So, right. you know, thank you, Ellen Pompeo. Uh-huh. Um, but they, they charged insurance $27,000 for that Jeez. testing. And the, <laughs> they kept pushing me to wait to do that testing. And I was like, no, it's December. You are doing it this year. The upside of having a special needs child is she hits all of your medical mm-hmm. deductibles and in networks, out of networks really early in the year. So I was like, you are not going to come to me in right. January 1st and bill us this. So they, they did the testing. Um, and one of the things I had told Christy was when they did the testing on her, 
it definitely kind of caused a, a little bit of a rift in my family. And I don't know if you want me to talk about this now or just kind of wait. But um, for me, I, I knew I wasn't going to be strong enough to be told what they were testing for and then start researching it. Cause I was going to drive myself insane um, when they tested for Angelman and they tested for Rett syndrome and all these other, you know, syndromes that actually had a, a name to them. I, through the grace of God, resisted the temptation to research them because I knew I would just drive myself insane. Okay. Well, well she has this symptom, but, but not this. Okay. But she has family. this, but, but not this. So I had told, you know, my husband, I'm like, this is kind of what I'm deciding. And I'm not usually a, like, I'm putting my foot down kind of person on stuff like this. But I was like, this is this is for my sanity. I know I'm not strong enough to deal with people as helpful as they would want to be sending me articles on, like, yeah. hey, this is, you know, look, this doesn't apply to Sophia. Oh, but this one does. So, me, you know, you're... You want an outside arena or outside people crowd talking to you. Correct. Yeah. And it wasn't also going to change anything. Right. Me spending all that time researching on something that in all of those cases, except for one that I never would have researched, mm. I, I would have been researching something for nothing. None of those things applied to her. So it didn't really sit well with mostly my mother and my sister because they felt like I was, I, that I was trying to exclude them or, um, like be left alone in this. But for me, I just always looked at it as like, I had to set that boundary. I knew I wasn't I wasn't going to be strong enough to sit and allow myself go down those rabbit holes of what she might have. I wanted to wait to go down the rabbit hole of the one she actually has. Mm -hmm. So in February of whatever year, I mean, I guess she was four. So 2012. Um, no, we were married in 2011. Oops, hang on. How old is my kind? She was born in 15. Just when she's yeah, that's fine. I was like, I don't know how old she is. Um, so when she was right before she, she turned four, they uh, gave us the genetic testing. And again, I was the annoying mother that kept calling, hey, do you have the results yet? Hey, do you have the results yet? And they're like, we'll call you when we get them, Carrie. I was like, cool, I'll call you tomorrow. They're calling, they're calling yeah. my name, Carrie. Yes, they're like, Carrie, please stop calling. Like, it was like a red light went off every time I called. I was like, I'm going to I'm gonna block the call so they can't see that it's my number on their, their caller ID. Um so I, they called me and at that point in time, since everything else was negative, I was almost kind of riding the wave of like, okay, I know nothing's wrong. This is mm -hmm. just going to be like, you know, it's just epilepsy will, you know, she might have a little bit of developmental delays. Like it, it's nothing that extreme. And so finally they called me and they were like, Hey, we did find something, you know, we don't really want to discuss this over the phone. So, mm. you know, can you get, you know, we'll set an appointment and come in. And I said, that's great, but I'm, you're going to need to send me the lab work before. Cause I want to read what it is. And the results just said, you know, um, mutated gene STXBP1, which stands for syntax binding protein, which is one of the genes that you have in your brain that deals with neurotransmission. So literally your ability to send and receive information and the synapses mm -hmm. that grab it, one of her, she only had half of it. And it's super rare. I mean, there's only maybe 300 cases worldwide. Mm -hmm. It doesn't even, like I said, it doesn't even have a cool name. It's just the yeah. letters for it. <laughs> And even the geneticist, I mean, she was almost as worthless as the staff that worked at that location. She was, oh, well, I don't even know what this is. I mean, I've, you know, I've never seen this. Like, this will be something that, you know, your child will be in history books on what you did to help her and it will help children in the future. But Which is not what you want to hear at that moment. Not at all. Because mm -mm. she's like, it was only discovered in... 
like 2007 or something. Um, mm-hmm. So it's still, you know, very new to us. We don't know a lot about it. Um, but just, you know, research, try to do what you can, you know, stick with your neurologist and make sure, you know, you're doing EEGs every six months to a year to, you know, track them to see if you're mm-hmm. ever the random person lucky enough to catch an, a seizure on the EEG. So pretty much she, you know, just was on, I mean, at this point in time, I think she's on five or six medicines. She... So wait, when did you call your parents and your family and tell them that... So after they, we got the results, I emailed my family and a couple of our... We're Catholic. My mom's one of nine, so we have a very large side (laughs) of the family. Um, So several of my cousins had been, you know, very very vested in, in Sophia's diagnosis, diagnoses, um, that, you know, I had put them on the email and I just kind of was like, Hey, this is what it's called. Like, here's a, something I found on it that might be helpful to learn. You know, we don't know a lot about this. So just kind of like pray for us. Mm-hmm. I just kind of left it as like, you know, if God gives you what you can handle, then game on. And I mean, I had moments when I was, okay, this, you know, this is not really happening. This is like not what we signed up for in any way, shape or form with, with parenting. But, um, I mean, I'm always the person that kind of laughter and making jokes kind of fixes everything. And I also knew that, you know, nothing was going to change. So for me, my levels or whatever the stages of grief, denial, whatever those anger, you know, I went through them pretty quickly. The denial one you kind of held on to for a little bit, but then it was like, okay, you know, I'm kind of in this denial boat alone. So, and my child's over here, like, Mm -hmm. so I just, okay, well, this is what we're doing. Mm -hmm. Like, so I did the most I could with researching her genetic condition and then mostly just took the advice of, all right, let's, you know, get her into different therapies and see what they can, we can work on and how we can teach her. And it just, okay. I'm, you know, I wasn't super crazy about it, but I also didn't want to be like lax on it. I wanted to find kind of the blend where our, her, our, her, our whole world didn't encompass having a special needs child because mind you, we still had a son at this point who, I mean, I feel like I almost missed the first year of his life because we were just so, engulfed in what was going on with her, which for him led him to probably grow up a lot faster than he did. I mean, he's just like my little old soul and he's so great with his sister. And then probably in 2017, so Sophia is three and a half, almost four or a little over four. We, you know, we kept praying about wanting to have a third child how does that work when you're totally overwhelmed and you're like, and to bring another child into the world when you're overwhelmed with this one? Like, what are those conversations like? Or even emotions? It was really hard to decide. I mean, I definitely tried to let God decide it for us. Julie and I are both from a family of three. We each have two siblings. We both were very big into numbers. We love the number three. My soccer number is 13. His favorite number is 33. So we always kind of took that as a That's sign. <laughs> um, and... Honestly, it was because I didn't want my son's name's Julian, but I'll call him Bubba so we don't 
confuse because people are always like, are you talking about your husband or your son? Oh, yeah. Um, so I didn't want Bubba to grow up with having a sibling that might not really interact with him the same mm, way. Yeah. And then that, you know, it to just be this kind of like rush back and forth of like, okay, now I'm with this kid and now I'm with this kid. And it's just two separate worlds where I was really hoping that if we brought another child into the world that, you know, they would at least have each other yeah. and kind of, you know, help Sophia along the way. And so we're really blessed that, you know, we had Alessandra um, in April of 2018. And I kind of wanted her to be a boy because I wanted <laughs> Bubba to have just like a boy to rough house yeah. with. But um, Allie, who we call Taters, is, uh, you know, I mean, she is her mother's child. She is scrappy and she does not take anything from that boy. Oh, and okay. so I just, I... It was 100% the, you know, mm-hmm. right decision to have uh, another child. They're very, very close. They're great with their sister. You know, mm-hmm. they... Do they ever ask anything? Like, why doesn't she talk? Or... They do. Noises. And um, I'm not the parent that makes up kind of stories or that, like, I mean, personally, I don't teach my children the Easter Bunny. I think the Easter Bunny's a little creepy. Um, so I'm kind of like, hey, <laughs> this is... a conversation last week. That's so funny. <laughs> yes, it's it's very scary. I don't yeah. know why. That's, yeah. just, there's no costume where it's like, mm-hmm. hey, that's a cute... It's like, no, that's terrifying. <laughs> and so I don't... I never taught the kids like, hey, this is from the Easter Bunny. I'm like, hey, these are gifts for Easter. Like, yeah. this is what we're celebrating Easter. And, you know, your dad and I are going to go hide eggs in the backyard. So right. don't look. Um, <laughs> and so when they... You know, so I'm very up front with them, even when Bubba first started speaking, I mean, Sophia has been on seizure medicine since she was 18 months old. So, and she takes it twice a day. So he's seen that his whole life. He's never not known her to be taking medicine. So he know, you know, and I tell him what are, what is Sophia take medicine for seizures? Because I would, for at one point in time, I would have horrible dreams of something happening, like mm-hmm. us being in the car and me not being able to speak like to a paramedic or something about Sophia in the car. So I thought at least at the bare minimum, when he was learning to speak, he would say seizures. So that way he would know. And I remember Julian's mom one time was in town and she was just like, why you tell him? Why, why am I, why my grandson know what seizures are? I was like, his sister has seizures. He needs to know what they are. And it gives me a little bit of a peace of mind that, you know, he's your backup. He, he knows exactly. Um, and then same with Allie. Now Allie, you know, she understands. So they'll ask, you know, why doesn't Sophia speak? And we just kind of use it at, hey, God makes every single person different. And you're going to learn to, like, love and accept people for everything that makes them different and new, new unique. And I, was, and I kind of, again, I always make a joke out of it. I was like, plus, you and your sister talk enough for the whole family. So, you know... <laughs> Maybe Sophia would start speaking uh-huh. if y'all stopped talking. And, you know, they kind of laugh about it and we just leave yeah. it at that. But it's because of just us having those real conversations with the kids about mm-hmm. what's happening with her. And, hey, you know, Sophia plays a little different or, hey, this is, mm-hmm. you know, what's ha- they it makes them so much. It makes them such kind yes, children does. that they're very accepting and they don't you know, look at like, oh, that's weird. Or why is that person yeah. do that? You know, they... Give answers to things, too. Correct. I, I just didn't want to, you know, tiptoe around it. And, oh, when you're older, mm-hmm. I'll explain it to you. Oh, like, mm-hmm. at this age, you're... Now you now you can understand. No, I'm, I'm going to tell you the truth because I mm-hmm. 
I'm not sure. a, I'm yeah. not a very good liar. I can barely remember the truth, let yeah. alone a lie made up. So, so like, you, um, um, how did you guys decide where to go for things like therapies and stuff for Sophia? Like, that's a hard labyrinth to navigate. Yeah, it's well. it's super hard. Speaking and speaking. it's yeah, speech it's, therapy. Um, so she does. At one point in time, she had been doing physical, occupational. And speech therapy in addition to ABA, which is Applied Behavioral Analysis. That's kind of the autism therapy. Mm -hmm. And it was really just trial and error. And we we started with one company and we liked them, but then they had, you know, high turnover rate. So the therapists left and then you're, and and that's really the roughest part because then you're starting all over again. I mean, Mm -hmm. it would just be no different than if you were working and you had a team member that was really great. And then you left and you're constantly reteaching that person next to you. Okay. This is what, you know, this is how it's done. This is this. And so it was for a while, it was just constantly starting over and relying on knowing that people were doing a good job. She did start going to a school in Dallas called it's a sensory world. And they're a nonprofit special needs school. And they're amazing. They really helped us out with a lot of things, both good and bad. I mean, you know, some of the people they recommended, I didn't like some of the people they recommended. I loved, Mm -hmm. you know, so it was a good mixture of just kind of trial and error. And then over time we finally got, you know, really great occupational therapists, really great speech therapists. Sophia does hippotherapy, which is horse riding, um, with her speech therapist. And then she does ABA full time. So it was really just kind of trial and error to figure out what, because Sophia didn't fall, and this was kind of the story of my life, is that, like, you have a special needs child, and she doesn't even fall under the umbrella of, like, mm-hmm. oh, it's Down syndrome. Right. Oh, it's autism. It's this. It's this, like, you know, and even though autism or autism has a huge spectrum to begin with, mm-hmm. you you at least had some kind of path already mm-hmm. laid out for you by prior parents, and this was just kind of, you know, starting brand new, yeah. so... I have a question. So as you're going through all these different things, how is your relationship with your husband? Right? Because that's got to put a stressor Mm -hmm. on that. Are y'all always on the same page? Are you arguing? I mean, like, how do you work? Because y'all are still married. So you made it through. Yes. He is still alive. He's still alive today. What is today? Yes. Um, Tomorrow is another story. uh (laughs) But how do you work through that? Like, what was that like? You know, I mean, it's just like, to me, any other kind of marriage on everything? Definitely not. I mean, we knew... We agreed on intervention, but we didn't always agree on, okay, you know, she's going to do full time this, uh, Mm -hmm. or she'll, she'll go here. It was, I mean, you definitely try to talk it out and figure out what works, but I mean, it's really just trial and error. So he and I would definitely butt heads on things. He's a lot more, um, you know, he's kind of the rip the bandaid off when it comes to life where, you know, I like a little, little Novocaine before you rip the Mm -hmm. bandaid off. So you definitely had to learn how to communicate with each other. And we knew at the end of the day that we had always decided that God would be first, our marriage would be second, and children would be third. And so do you have to remind yourself of that We daily? have to remind ourselves that often. Yes. Because I always, you know, even though I, when my husband makes me upset and I joke about, you know, like, killing him. It's, she does joke about that, I do that a lot. So. In Bible study. Yes, Please it's very no, funny. Yes. We all laugh about that. Of course, it's very funny that I do it in Bible study. Like, yeah, I'm like, sorry, God. Um it's the best but place to do it. Exactly. Safe. Yes, exactly. Nice and safe. And I mean, hey, I say it to him. So in no way is right. he listening to this right now with his like mouth to the floor. Like, what? You say that? He's like, yeah, she says it to my face all the time, yeah. too. Um, <laughs> it's great. 
<laughs> so, you know, you had to learn to communicate and how to work through it. I mean, for me, I just looked at it as like a wave of marriage, like anything else. But he and I, I moved through the stages a lot quicker than he did where oh, I was on yes. the, okay, this is what we're doing. Let's run with it. Let's mm-hmm. figure out what works where he can still sometimes go back to other stages of kind of like denial or anger. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, it's, again, I, I, it's not what you signed up for. It's not what you thought it was going to be. I always kind of joke that God thought my husband and I got along too well. So he, he was like, <laughs> okay, you know, um, you're going to have Sophia because we're going to throw a little, 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 little wrench in the mix. Um, so just understanding your priorities is kind of what you said. And it seems like you have to a lot of, have a lot of patience. A lot right? of patience. trial and error yes. comes patience. Well, and you have to be able to pivot often. Like, I, I do think I'm listening to you going, man, that's amazing. Because, like, as part of the mom's deal, too, I think, as you look up and you go, there's work to be done. I don't have time to sit over here very long. There is stuff to do. And today, what works today may not work tomorrow, which means we've got another pivot. It's time to pivot to the next thing. Absolutely. And then the next thing and the next thing. And some people can do that easier than others. And this is a time where it's going to, man, it's going to test that, right? Every day. Exactly. So how did you handle, how did you know if a therapy was working or not? That was the really hard part because obviously Sophia doesn't come home and tell me like, oh, man, today was great. That's that's very difficult. So I relied a lot on, you know, the notes that they would give me Um, for some things, at least when she was at It's a Sensory World, some of the therapists would go to the school. So I relied a lot on the teachers Mm -hmm. that would like message me, hey, I really like this therapist. Hey, this therapist didn't show up today. Make sure like ask them why or, you know, mm-hmm. what, and so they, I, I really had a good relationship with them where I was able to rely heavily on them. But it, I mean, the trial and error is, is the most difficult part because you don't know, just like with anything. I mean, even if it's something as simple as, you know, like going to the gym, you go once and you think like, oh man, here comes my, you know, ripped body. And that's not realistic. It's, you know, it's going to take time to see results, but waiting for the results is not, an easy or inexpensive route to take. And I definitely don't have the patience for Sophia. I, I give a lot of credit to the teachers who have worked with her and do work with her now, because I mean, I, I didn't, even as a, when I taught middle school as a math teacher, you know, I didn't have children with special needs in my Mm -hmm. class. It's, that's a, a really hard job to take on. And I always wanted Sophia to associate our house and me, especially with home mother. I didn't want her to be, Oh, okay. We're in school now. Mm-hmm. And so that was, was really beneficial for us pretty much up until quarantine. So does happened. she go all year <laughs> even through the summer too? Correct. Yeah. yeah. So the ABA company she's with now, um, those people are just amazing. And they, yeah are open pretty much every single weekday. They do random Saturdays too. But I mean, they were closed, I think on Good Friday, Christmas Eve, like they do not take many Mm -hmm. days off, which is in Sophia's case, very imperative because she, Sophia really thrives on the structure. She likes having her routine. She likes, you know, having that same schedule and it, it tuckers her out. It, you know, she pretty much comes home after and she eats and we might ride in the golf cart or, you know, go for a walk. And then she goes to bed and, you know, we repeat it the next day. 
So when we had days like quarantine and stuff like that, those were really hard because she didn't understand. Oh, yes. And she doesn't associate me with a teacher. So if I tried to do things that they were doing for her in class, she was just like, mom, what are you doing? Like, seriously. She would look Mm -hmm. at you like, really? No, your place, woman. That's not, that's not what this is. ABA though, part of that ABA training is training parents at home too. So you guys can Mm -hmm. kind of navigate and help bridge the home school kind of gap. So what have you been able to take and learn and do with Sophia at home? So, I mean, we're pretty bad parents when it comes to that. We don't really utilize that resource as much. I let them do all of the work. You do work. have two other kids at home, Correct. Too. We well, do have sure. two other children. Yeah. But I also, like, there are certain things that they'll work on that we try to emphasize. Like, she like getting direct. So, she has an iPad that um, has an app called Proloquo, and it pretty much speaks for her. So, she can press buttons. And That's awesome. She can, she's getting to the point where she can, like, kind of form a sentence like I want drink I want eat and so she uses that at the beginning she wasn't even nonverbal so there was no you know gesturing pointing it was just do you want like literally I would just put things out and be like come take what you want because I don't know what you're saying which had to be so frustrating for her because I mean just imagine being silent for an entire day that language thing with that laptop must even Make you feel better too. Like it she does can. because she is able, you know, to use it. She can communicate, and her her gesturing increased like a thousand percent in the past probably two years. Where even mm-hmm. if people come to the house that they don't know her, she will make it crystal clear what she is like. She is pointing to this cabinet because her drink cups are in there. She will walk like she will take your hand, walk you to the fridge point to the like she is and it's almost kind of like sarcastic too when she does it like oh you annoy me because you don't know what i'm thinking she's already trying to turn into your preteen man. oh 100 she's so my child because she definitely That's eye rolls awesome. too i'm like i'm pretty sure you don't even have special needs and you're just playing us for a fool like you're just like i just didn't want to say anything but are those like, the type of like kind of what you would you talked about the normalized kind of milestones mm-hmm. are those the type of things that even the sash are going oh I appreciate the sass. Oh, like, yes. Her occupational you, therapist laughs about it all the Because oh, she said awesome. something. To, it was yesterday. <laughs> she had the big eye roll. And her name's Gail. And we love Gail. Gail said something to Sophia. And Sophia just like full on eye roll. I was like, oh, my gosh. Did you do that on purpose? <laughs> or was that just like a random coincidence? And Gail's like, I saw that eye roll. I'll take it. I don't care. You know, and yeah. she was just laughing about it. And we were cracking up so hard. And those are things where I'm like, there you go, girl. I know you're in there. I know, I know that, you know, my, my fire and sarcasm is in there and it, it'll come out in its own way. You don't need to be words to be Mm -hmm. sassy because like my dad will, my parents live down the street from us. And one time my dad was watching Sophia, uh, when we had a soccer game and my dad, you know, tried to lay in bed with her and snuggle. And he's like, she literally stood up took my hand, walked me out of the room. He goes, I thought maybe she had to go to the bathroom or like she needed a drink. He goes, she walked me outside the door, shut the door behind me and laid back in bed by herself. He goes, I was just, okay, point taken. Yeah. Grandpa, you can leave. Yeah. Thanks for the snuggle. I hope you enjoyed it, but it it was nothing for me. So please get out of my room. So yeah, she, she can be just as feisty without So you're words. still in this early. Like, she's only seven. So you still she have a long seven tomorrow. Road. Yeah, That's so, so this fun. is still so, so early. Mm-hmm. But what would you say to encourage moms or parents or, like you said, grandparents, anybody, as they are starting this journey? 
Well, I mean, find God if you haven't, because he definitely makes the the ride a lot easier. But I think it's also about trying to figure out what works for you and your family and not trying to, okay, well, this person did this, so this works for us. And, um, I mean, for me, really including the other two children in the process and speaking to them. I mean, really, I, I speak to them like adults when I explain this is why we're not doing this or like, you know, hey, you know, Sophia's getting upset. So let's, you know, try something. You know, it's just I needed them to understand what, you know, why we have to do certain things or why, you know, we might go out as a family of four. And that was something really that husband Julian and I had to speak a lot about because you really have to, like you had said, pivot. You have to kind of adjust. You have to change your expectations and, you know, really just throw them out the window because I would think that no person in the world right now has this family that does like, this is exactly as I envisioned. This Mm -hmm. is going exactly as I had always planned. No, for whatever reason. So being able to adjust and kind of modify day by day, I have to say I'm slightly the pessimistic where I don't really look to the future. I don't, you know, my husband will joke like one day when we're, you know, retired, like, and we have the condo, you know, Sophia will be with us and, you know, just, it'll be us three. And he kind of jokes about it. And I'm like, well, that's cool. You can see that far into the future. Like, I don't, I don't even envision the kids like going to school or anything like that's just not where I, that will be great if, if God blesses us with that. Personally, I'm on the, uh, the raptures coming. So, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm thinking that, uh, path is more likely than the kids going to high school. Hopeful, yes. yes. Um, but so I just, I think the biggest thing is to kind of manage your expectations. Don't, you know, celebrate the successes that happen each day. And don't, I mean, to me, those milestones to begin with were, are just so, silly because then we use them in school and if somebody's not learning that way okay well what's wrong with them what's you know it's everybody learns differently everybody speaks differently Mm -hmm. it's like to be able to just accept everyone's uniqueness it's like I think that makes accepting your own child's disabilities because that's what it is it's a disability Mm -hmm. it makes it a lot easier because you're not constantly trying to compare for us it you know Sophia's the firstborn so we you know we were already pregnant with the second one there was no okay we're only having one child like because this one has special needs we're not gonna have any more kids you're we were well past that train when you know she everything was discovered so just like I said giving it to God definitely helps therapy definitely helps I mean I I love seeing my counselor And trying to teach people, because I feel like a lot of times in like families, you know, people kind of want to walk on eggshells. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't want to, I don't want to offend you. I don't want to upset you or I don't want to say anything wrong in that. And I'm just like, for me, the only thing that could upset me is if you see my child like running in the street and you're like, well, I didn't know if she knew she couldn't go in the street. So I just let her run and then a car hit her. Like, Mm -hmm. okay, well, that's. Yeah, that's that offends me. That's, that's a problem. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's a problem. That's rude. Okay, stand still because I'm going to go get my car. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> so have so, you felt that? Have, have you guys? Um, so you feel that like you kind of mentioned y'all's families earlier. Have you? Do you feel like y'all found your sea legs then within your extended family and kind of navigating 
the pivoting and we're doing this today, but this tomorrow and having those discussions with everybody or not really. I mean, again, every day gets better. So it's just like with Sophia's daily progress, like it constantly moves in a forward and upward direction. So, you know, we're very grateful for that. My parents have definitely learned a lot. They're incredibly helpful and they, you know, they, they want to learn, okay, like what, what is she telling me now? You know, or like, what does this mean? But to me, that's no different than when my two little ones Absolutely. are talking and are, you know, kind of yeah. mumble and they're like, what are they, what are they just yeah. saying? Of course, yeah. you know, mom, you're like, oh, they said blah, 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 blah. Right. And you're, how did you know that? Well, just, um, yeah, the mom, I'm, you yeah. know, I listen to them all day long. Julian's family's in New York, so it's a little different. Um, I won't bad mouth it too much, but they, special needs are not, I don't think, very well received in European cultures, and Julian's family is from Spain, so it's very well said. It was, it was, it's not as discussed, it's kind of a, we'll sweep it under the rug and kind of make an, you know, not an excuse, just like a justification. I remember his mom once kind of made up some story to somebody as to why Sophia didn't speak when we were in Spain. And I mean, she didn't think I could translate it, but I did. And that was something that really hurt because mind you, the house we were staying at is her sisters who has special needs. Julian's aunt Mm. is, has, has a full, pretty much a mental retardation, much like Sophia. And so I thought that was kind of interesting that as opposed to just, and the woman who in question, she never even asked like why Sophia didn't say anything. Sophia was just sitting in the stroller that just here was this like automatic reflex of an, an excuse, a justification as to, you know, in case you were, in case you were thinking that here's yeah. the reason. And, and there is still such a, it's not even just, I think, um, from where you live or your country, but it's also just, there's such a generational gap with special needs. I'm fine. Like the kids now, like the way they talk about it, it is very much just a part of life. A lot of them, there's a lot of diversity in the classrooms now on all walks of life, including special needs. They talk about it very differently than if you talk to grandparents, a lot of times they're like, Oh, don't, don't get a label for your child because that's bad because then it follows them forever. And then to your exact point, but if you have a child with autism, when you provide that label for them in the States, it opens up a ton Correct. of opportunities, mm-hmm. like at schools and colleges and, I mean, insurance-wise, getting things. So um, do you find that when your kids are talking, like your like um, Sophia's siblings, they're talking to their grandparents? How does that work, like with that? generational gap like they're trying to explain to them hey Sophie is this and they're like no 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 well so like I said with Julian's family in New York they don't unfortunately see the children very often um their choice not ours and so that's you know kind of where we're at on I'll leave it there in case my husband listens to this um but in terms of my parents you know I mean they've you know I mean even though I had a c-section and my mom couldn't be in the room I mean she was waiting outside the delivery room of all three kids. So, I mean, my mom's, you know, been incredibly active in all of the kids' lives and learning about it. So, I mean, I'm really fortunate that they have, you know, two very active grandparents and, you know, right down the street. So, and, awesome. and Sophia, 
knows that they're right down the street when like she had when we have sitters or you know therapists come to the house if they go for a walk she'll point to my parents house because she wants to go into my because my parents of course have really sweet tea and Sophia likes sweet tea and so she (laughs) wants my mom's sugar-filled tea she doesn't want my you know not sugar-filled fruit based (laughs) you know attempt at making sweet tea so which I get it I don't want it either I want the Chick-fil-a sweet tea uh so you know, it's it's come a long way. My parents are are pretty good. They still have a tendency to want to walk on eggshells because, again, you just and I get it. You don't want to upset anybody. So my other advice would be, honestly, and this just is is just kind of suck it up. I mean, this is what it is like. It's not going to change. It's, you know, I don't I don't pray for a miracle. I don't you know, I've been watching The Chosen. I don't think, you know, God's randomly going to remove her seizures and make her start speaking. I don't, you know, I don't pray for that. I think that's a little far-fetched. I don't know if that's even polite to say, but I don't think that's realistic. I pray that, you know, Sophia continues to learn and that the medicine controls her seizures and that, you know, and that she's happy. Mm. And that's all I focus on. I can be more, you know, specific with the other kids in terms of, you know, certain, you know, prayers. But for her, it's more just, I I focus on those little daily, like, okay, let's, you know, we're going to pray about this and work on this and not focus so much on this just miraculous, like one, you know, one day she'll speak one day, you know, she's going to just start talking. Okay, cool. If that happens, like what a blessing, but I'm not, you know, I mean, I like to gamble, but I'm not, I'm not betting my money on that. Life you've provided her because of that. I think that there's a biblical realism to that that matters, and it makes a difference in a kid's life. Thank you. I, you're I not think fighting so, too. for her every day if you think, oh, God's going to fix her the way I want him exactly. to fix her tomorrow. No, I, I need to do everything I need to do for mm-hmm. my kid today. And I think that's also a really lonely path to be on, to just yeah. think that, okay, I'm just going to keep waiting and waiting, mm-hmm. and one day this is all going to go back to the you know the way I thought it was going to be. And so, like, for my husband and I, I think that can be kind of one of our struggles where sometimes I think, you know, he might, okay, one day, you know, things are really going to change. And it's like, things are going to progress. But realistically, like, nothing's going to change. Yeah. This is the way it is. Um, You had mentioned if anything ever, like, offends me or if no one's ever said anything to me. I mean, you definitely have people look all the time. Sophia is, like I said, she's about to be seven. She's four foot three, is 85 pounds. I'm five, four, 125. So, I mean, she's towering over me mm-hmm. in probably like another year. So, you know, she has a stroller that's very large. Um, I mean, I literally, <laughs> I can like barely see over the top of it. <laughs> so it's just, <laughs> it's just large. so sad. Like really God, you can have made me just a little taller. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, and she still, we still let her have a pacifier when she wants one. Um, but those are things that's like, I don't care about. Like, you want a pacifier? Cool. It makes you happy. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Your your teeth are already quite messed up from all the medicine you've been on. Mm-hmm. And her dentist has always been super nice to us. She was like, she had a small window when you could have taken the pacifier. We call it a chupete in Spanish. She's like, you had a small window where you could have taken the chupete away. That window's gone in terms of her teeth, like the structuring of her mm-hmm. mouth. So, Really, that's probably not a battle you should want to fight now because it's just kind of done and over with. So, you know, people, I mean, why does she have a pacifier in her mouth? 
And I mean, it's just the grace of God that prevents me from like, well, why are you eating McDonald's? You know, like I just thought this was like a, I just thought we could ask people random questions nowadays. Like, no. Oh, okay. Why does she have a pacifier? I don't know. Cause she wants one. Why yeah. do you want one? Like, and why do you care? Exactly. exactly. Did my child steal your child's I'm pacifier? No. Wondering. Um, she does love straws. So that's <laughs> the hardest thing is to take her to like the mall or something because yeah. people have, because she has no knowledge that right. taking people's straws is right. frowned upon yeah. in society. So, I mean, we've been places where she just walks up and swipes someone's straws and they don't oh. even notice. So they're just holding a drink and they go back to put their mouth like in their cup and they realize it's gone. very, very oh, funny. So <laughs> funny. There's been times at the mall where we, we will like pass like the Cinnabon or something at uh-huh. the Stonebriar Mall and I'll grab some straws to like lay them on people's cups if she takes a straw oh. because <laughs> Mama, that's very like forward thinking yeah. of you. And then Good I'll job. give her some and, and she's gotten a lot better where we're you know, we were swinging the other day at the park and somebody literally had a Whataburger cup next to her swing. I was like, oh Jesus take the wheel please. This is not going to be fun because she would get down and look at me and like kind of bend over. I'm like, no sis, you have a straw. Look, it's right here. This one's yours. That one's not yours. And she'd get back in the swing and swing for a little bit and then stop and kind of look at me in the corner of her eye and be like, I don't think she's looking again. And like go to walk over to the cup. No, sis, that's not your straw. And she, I mean, she literally, she does like the Marge Simpson, like grunt. And then she gets back in the swing. So I was like, okay, you know, again, you celebrate those victories. Like, cause there was a time when, I mean, she would have broken the person's Whataburger cup in attempt to get the straw. straw, And then you're like, Hey, I'm sorry. That's awkward. Yeah. Yeah. So man, it's, it's been so fun talking to you. Thank you. Like, it just, I've enjoyed it very much. I've enjoyed hearing your story. This is the first, Christy's heard your story. This is the first time I've heard it. Mm-hmm. So um, I was just, listen. I mean, you are a font of knowledge. You remember, like Christy said so many words. I would have, I would have forgotten. Mm-hmm. Believe me, I wish I didn't remember that. But yeah. <laughs> exactly. But. No, thank you so much for sharing your story with us, and um, we would love to have you back sometime. We'll have to hear always. The oh, I want her to come back and talk about her Catholicism. Yes, <laughs> yes. When we met, I actually yes. thought I was like, oh, she wants me to talk on the podcast. I'm like, oh, she wants me to bash Catholicism. No, <laughs> we don't ever bash it. It's so interesting. You don't ever bash it. You're very intrigued with Catholicism and their rituals, and then why. Let's just say Baptist because that's where mm-hmm. don't or yeah. we just it just is what it is. Yes. And so it's fun watching her put those together on the ones that she wants to take and the ones that she doesn't like, have no. to take. Like you're still going to go to heaven if you don't do this. Exactly. Yeah. I, en- it's been fun I enjoy the that. buffet of Catholicism. Well, this, uh-huh. yeah, this, is, part, this is Carrie's part one then. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> this is part one of Carrie. Part we'll two. Have, and it's because how to, how to a lot of people Catholic. struggle. Like, and that's what's so great yes. is she'll talk about. And then other women will talk about too, struggling with Catholicism mm-hmm. or growing up with the rituals yeah. and then being like, I don't need them. Right. No, you don't. And they mm-hmm. feel so weighty. So when you weighty. grow up with them that way, they feel so important and so weighty. And so it takes it takes a little bit to go, huh? Maybe you know I need to rethink that. But well, and then opening the Bible. That's yes, been totally eye opening. And then and you guys had spoken to Kelly Mallory. Yes. Her and I see the same counselor. And oh, when I met yeah. him at Mops, I specifically had wanted to find a counselor that was religiously based because. When people aren't, and I'd speak spoken to them, they didn't understand like this weight of like guilt I would have yeah. over certain 
upbringings or things that I do and like, well, this is, I was taught this and, and they're just like, okay, you just like stop feeling that way. I'm like, oh, okay. Pro- thanks. Problem solved. Yeah. Like, well, and if you could stop feeling that way, just stop feeling that way. Then how many counselors and psychologists and everyone would absolutely not even have a job right exactly. now. Exactly. Yeah. I, I, mean, like, I just wow. don't think it is that easy. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's quite that. But before we go on to the next podcasting or this podcast, we probably should close this one out. So, <laughs> but Thank thanks you. everybody yes, for mm-hmm. listening. Thank you, Carrie, for coming and um, talking to us. We really appreciate it. We've enjoyed everything you've shared. Thanks, guys. Hang in there, mamas, because good things are coming. Yes. Mm -hmm. Oh, I love that. We'll end on that sweet, sweet note. (laughs) All right, everybody. This is Noisy Narratives Out. Until next time, we'll talk to you later. Bye. Bye.